Welcome to Maximum Mom with Elise Bowie, where you'll hear from women who are navigating the same messy journey as you. Lawyering, entrepreneurship, and mothering. What a trifecta. We're here to share tips, resources, wins, losses, and encouragement for moms who are raising a family while building a law firm. So you feel less alone in your journey toward a fulfilling career and being the best mom you can be. Welcome to the Maximum Mom podcast. I am so excited today to welcome Laura Chipman. She is an attorney and a mom of Well, I'm not going to tell you what she's a mom of. I'm going to let her tell you that. But she's a mom and she lives in North Carolina. And we have such a fun thing in common, which is kind of rare. But I cannot wait for you all to meet her. Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Elise. I am overjoyed to be with you. We're going to have so much fun. Yeah, I'm so excited. Okay, first, because I didn't tell. You tell us. Who makes you a mom? Yes. So I'm a mom to two wonderful little boys, Finley and Milo. They are six years old and almost five, 18 months apart. Wow. You have your hands full. Those are some active years you've got going on right now. Yes. There's a lot of activity in our house, but I have to say for the other moms of young children who are listening, it has gotten so much easier. So I remember those very early years, 18 months apart, it was so much work. We were just all in with babies, but we've turned this corner now that they're older and they love to play together. And it's just gotten a lot easier as they've gained independence. So I want to offer that little moment of optimism for (laughs) for the moms listening. That's awesome. I agree. Mine were super close together. I think I had four kids in six years or six and a half. So they were pretty scrunched together. I loved it though, because they did play together well and they enjoyed each other's company and it just kind of made things easier. I found so, you know, I was just, I felt like I was me and my little four ducks wherever I was going. And so it just was That's adorable. Good. And we, you know, we read make way for ducklings. And I joke about that all the time, a classic children's book. And I call them my little ducklings sometimes as we're trotting around the yards too. Like, come on, little ducklings. Here we go. Look, I don't know if you can see, I have this adorable card, but it only has yes. five ducklings. And now since I have two stepchildren, I needed six ducklings. So I've been waiting for the perfect family to send this card to. That's adorable. Yes. Well, I only have two ducklings, but we are certainly having a great time. That is awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about what you do. Tell us about your legal practice. I know you have a robust legal practice, but also about the coaching work you do with other attorneys. Yeah. Thank you, Elise. So as you said, I'm a life coach to women lawyers and it's a passion project for me that began well before the pandemic, but has sort of materialized now as a business that's very close to my heart. And I'm so excited to have the chance to work one-on-one with women, also in a group setting for law firms and organizations to help support women who are finding their way, you know, showing up the way they want and being courageous and authentic as lawyers, which can be really challenging for all the reasons that you know well, and particularly for moms who are trying to balance everything on their plates, right? As a lawyer, I'm in-house. I focus on privacy and marketing, and I've been doing that work for more than 10 years now. It's a privilege to do it because it's really exciting. I'm learning something new every day in my practice. And I'm very focused on finding practical solutions in these areas, right? Things are happening fast. There are a lot of changes in the market as well as in the regulatory sphere. And so I want to help sort of adapt and help my clients be creative so they can keep up to pace. 
That is awesome. Well, in all likelihood, a lot of what we talk about today will kind of be around your coaching work, because I think I am most interested in learning more about how do you help women really focus on what matters to them and kind of aligning their values to that? Yeah, thank you so much. It's a critical question. And I think I often say that, you know, my ideal client, the person I want to work with has that moment where they realize maybe there's a little bit more, right? We've been following a syllabus for a really long time, even if it's continuing well beyond school. And now you're in a law firm setting and someone else is writing the rules for what you should do next and what kind of cases you should have and how you should perform in them and how you should show up and the way that you should posture yourself in negotiation and all of those things, all the models that we're trying to follow, And I think a lot of women have a moment, whether it's early or late in their careers, where they say, wait a minute, I didn't choose this. And even if you're happy with where you've arrived, even if you like what you're doing, it's important that you choose it, right? And that you choose the way that you're doing it. And so going through this exercise through coaching of filtering out some of that noise and the pressures from the syllabus and and making the choice for yourself about this is what I want to do, this is why, this is what I care about, and this is how I'm going to do it can just be incredibly liberating and empowering for women. And I know it's something that I've gone through in my own career, and I'm really excited to add a little bit of structure and definitely a lot of encouragement to that assessment for other women who are going through it. I just, I mean, I can't tell you how much that speaks to me as somebody who is, you know, older and older in my career, but started a law firm older. So my law firm is six years old. And as I had been studying, you know, about what to do and how to do it and met with business coaches and things, there was all these models that were set out that was kind of like, this is how it has to happen. And I have bucked every single one of those models. And literally I end up like letting go of coaches because I'm like tired of battling this thing. And finally, Finally, in the pandemic, I mean, this is how long it has taken me. And I'm like, I don't know, probably 50 something, 53, I think now. It took me till the pandemic when I realized, wait a minute. I mean, I run this law firm. I can decide how I want to be, what kind of leader I want to be, what kind of business owner do I want to be, what kind of employer do I want to be. And I literally spent a week, I mean, in the weeds, really trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to be okay in this pandemic? Like, what was it all going to look like? And what meant something to me? And one of the things, it probably sounds silly, but I mean, I had a receptionist who was a single mom with two children. And I mean, there we are, first weeks of the pandemic. And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, what is going to happen, you know, with our business? And how am I going to be okay you know, and keep my team in place. And I went through all this modeling and just came to the revelation after like 43 whiteboards. I was like, of course, everybody's going to be okay. And I am no more allowing my single mom receptionist with her two children to lose a job at the beginning of a pandemic. I And I mean, I literally went to my son and I was like, mm, I know you're in private school, but, and you're about to be a senior, but you might be going to the local public school because I am not paying your tuition over her having a job. Like that was something for me when I think of values that really mattered to me. And my son totally got it. He was like, well, of course I'll be fine. And we didn't end up having to do that. But I mean, that was one way that I was like decided I am going to do this different. No, it might not be the 
best business decision of all times, but it didn't matter. I mean, I got to lead in a way that my values got to lead first. What an incredible revelation. And I definitely want to come back to this idea of values, Lisa, because that's a beautiful example. But I love what you said about, wait a minute, this is my law firm. You know, this is mine. I own this law firm. And the message that I want women lawyers who are listening to hear is, I own this law practice, right? This is mine. I own this career. And for every woman who's listening, right? I own this life. This is my life. I get to choose. And that can feel like a huge shift when we've spent so many years doing things because we thought we were supposed to, or because they benefited other people, or we've been ignoring that gut voice, that intuition for so long about what we knew was right. And finally, finally saying, nope, this is mine. I'm going to do it the way I know is right. And I'm ready. Wow. I love that you, I mean, cause you're a younger person. You've come to this early in your life. Like I just say kudos to you all over the place. It's amazing to me. And for you to be able to bring that to other women attorneys is so powerful so that they can lead the lives that they want, whatever that looks like. I mean, it's the most empowering thing in the world to make your own choices. Thank you so much, Elise. It has been the game changer for me, certainly, and made me so much happier in my life and career. And I want to spread that message so that everybody can have that regardless of age, right? Yeah. It requires constant recalibration. I mean, certainly it's not like a one-time thing where you say, you know, F them all, I'm in charge now, and then that's it. It does require constantly checking in and working on it and adjusting and allowing yourself to evolve too, because the blueprint that we had from years ago, whether it was when we graduated law school or later, it has to change, right? It doesn't stay true forever. This, there's no longer just that one plan that's going to make you happy for your whole life. You're going to grow and evolve and that plan will too. I love that you mentioned values though, when you were talking about making decisions for your business, because those um, I find are a little more constant. They can change. The expression of them can change, right? But the things that we're naturally drawn to and that we want more of in our lives, that's how I define values. People define them differently. But for me, it's something that we want more of that we want to move toward. Those things tend to be relatively constant and they can be a really nice compass for navigating through all these changes and getting back in touch with, wait a minute, I'm I'm the kind of person who really cares about this. And so I think I'm getting off track here, right? When, When things are out of sync with your values it feels really bad. It can even make us physically sick and being able to notice that gap and get yourself sort of back on track, reoriented towards your values is a really powerful step in the right direction. Oh, I think value work. I, I know for me, it is just the most important thing I can do. And when we are hiring in our firm, I mean, I say to people like, I will not hire somebody if they do not align 100% with our core values. I mean, like if they're aligned 98%, it's a hard no. And I mean, I am so big into values and what that means as far as the people you surround yourself with and just the organization you're creating. I think values are critical because like you say, things happen. I mean, things happen all the time like all the time. I had probably the worst week in business that I've had ever last week. It was brutal. But literally being able to show up steeped in my values, surrounded by people in my firm that share those values, 
allows a clarity of resolution of problems in a way that is, I mean, it's just game changing. There's none of that. Well, you know, well, what if we do this or what? I mean, it's like the solutions are often much more clear, or at least they come the, you know, they're in a, a, a pack of much more clear solutions than if we did not share those values. I completely agree. And I remember a few years ago when I was doing all this work for myself, saying to a friend, I want to be so clear that my decisions feel effortless, right? Yep. Which yep. is definitely an extreme sort of expression of what we're talking yep. about. I wouldn't expect anybody <laughs> to get to that place. But for me, that's what I, I knew was possible. It's like, if you could be so clear yep. on what matters and the way you want to be and the way you do things, it would be effortless, right? To move through all of that. It's, we get so clouded and we get so worked up with what we should do and all of the noise that's coming yep. at us from everywhere and the pressures in our careers and the demands on moms, either from our kids or from other people and our comparison and our confusion about what we want to be in this world in general, it can be so noisy that it is really hard to find that clarity. And one of the benefits I think of coaching is having someone to help you filter that out and really question, is that coming from you? Is that coming from that truer, deeper source in your body? Or is that coming from externally? And if so, do you want to keep it? Because you don't have to keep it if it's external, right? We're stewarding what we have, but then we get to decide what else comes in. Oh, it's so true. My gosh, I feel like I could talk to you for days. (laughs) I mean, I think of it in this way of, I mean, this might really sound silly. Like I used to be that person that would watch like Law and Order, SVU, you know, and that was my way of quote unquote relaxing. What was I thinking? That is not very relaxing, at least for me. And so once I literally started kind of culling my environment, I mean, to the point of like TV shows, magazines, books, I mean, people I would be around, I mean, really started culling my environment towards a joyful, where the things I was letting in were joyful. I tend to be a super optimistic, happy, you know, I love the positive side of things and filling my head with all this negativity was just not helpful to me at all. I'm the same way. I don't even, I don't, I'm very limited in the news that I consume. For example, my husband teases me because I won't even know like if there's a hurricane coming because I just limit so much of that input, but it's true. I've done everything I can to protect the parts of myself that I think are really important and that I think are really strong. And that requires a little bit of sheltering sometimes. So I'm with you in finding what makes you feel better, stronger, good, restored, It takes some time to uncover those things where they've been covered up for a while. I was actually just teaching a webinar this past week. I'm happy to to share the replay too, if we want to distribute it, but I was teaching all about how to do less. And one of the things that I talked about was how it can be difficult to remember the things that restore us, that make us feel better, the things that we want to do when we've been ignoring them for so long. And I know for a lot of professional women, they can't remember what they like to do. Like if you, if you ask a woman lawyer, you know, what does she enjoy? She'll tell you what she's good at, which is not the same thing. Right. So it takes a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. It takes a lot of work and getting back to really simple basics to figure out what you even like and just noticing in the course of your day, like, Hey, this is my favorite flavor of LaCroix. 
Like I know that for sure. Right. Or this is my favorite tea. And I know that for sure. Or this is my favorite lip gloss. And now it's the only one I'm going to buy. Like super simple stuff just to get back in touch with yourself and what you even like. And then you can expand to sort of what are the activities that make me feel good? So it's not watching law and order, although I went through that phase too, at least. So no judgment here, but it's not, it's not watching law and order and it's not watching the news. What is it that makes me feel better and more connected and stronger? And it's going to be different for every person. I mean, I'm not a runner. It's not like running or CrossFit or anything like that for me. I have to find what is specifically for me that makes me feel good. Notice how that feels in my body and just start to keep a list. Like you can keep a list on your phone or somewhere like that, just to keep track of it and rebuild that picture of like, who am I at my best and what sustains me? Totally. Well, it's funny, actually two things. I mean, one on my calendar every week, I mean, I actually write out a handwritten calendar. I'm that person that loves to see it visually. And I love to actually do the actual writing. So if there's any conflicts on my calendar, I can really look at them and figure out what do I need to do to fix them, you know, and what feels best. But there's an entire section on the bottom of my calendar called joy. And so I literally calendar in joy every single day into my calendar. That's amazing. I love that. And I mean, it's really helpful. It is. And what does joy look like for you? What is that? What does that mean? Exactly. And for me, it's things like, I mean, I have some weird things. Like I look for orca whales out my window. We live on the water and we have orcas, which is pretty exciting. I take a lot of eagle pictures. You know, I go on walks. I spend time playing with my puppies. You know, things that I just really enjoy and just make me smile. Those are the things that I will put on my calendar and I will do them. And it's, yeah, it's been kind of game changing to actually pay as much attention to my joy as I do to all the busyness on my calendar. Oh my gosh, that is epic. I could not have said it better myself. And also the weirder, the better, right? Because that means it's like uniquely tuned to you. I think looking for orca whales is my favorite example ever. So thank you for that. It's definitely weird. But the other thing I was going to tell you, and you made such a good point and you might not even realize as an empty nester. So here I am, you know, we just launched kiddo number six this summer. And when we came home and it was time to start grocery shopping and cooking dinner, I was like, what do I even want to eat for dinner? I have not considered my own dietary needs and wants first since I was in college, I think. I mean, it's always been like, what do the kids want? Like, what special thing can I make for this kid this week? Or this kid is having this big thing. So I'm going to make his special thing. You know what I mean? Whatever it is, or just in getting in a rut of, you know, there's 20 meals that all the kids will eat. So those are winners. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so really having to think about, I mean, what am I going to feed myself? I mean, mean, that is pretty obnoxiously simple, but it was really interesting to go through that now. And I mean, I've been eating things and I've just said to my husband, I'm like, we're not eating this anymore. Like I'm done. I'm like, if you want to eat it, obviously you can eat it, but I'm not eating this meal anymore. Like, so our diets have radically changed. That is so funny, but it's true. I mean, you called it obnoxiously simple, but I think that's exactly where it starts. That's why I mentioned the LaCroix and the tea and the lip gloss, because it starts with these little things. 
and it gains momentum. It helps us recognize ourselves again. And then it gets a little easier in the more complicated situations or the more pressurized situations. It gets a little easier to say, no, no, hold on. This isn't right. This isn't how I want to do it. I'm going to do it this way. And I'm more comfortable expressing that preference now. And I'm you know, more comfortable listening to that voice in my body now. And it just builds on itself in a really doable way. But I think a lot of women expect to just go straight to the you know, straight to the full blown examples of I'm going to quit the law firm and I'm going to do my own thing. And I, you know, if you want to quit your job and move to Fiji, like I'm always the first person who's going to cheer for you. Like if you're ready for that, but if that feels impossible, you got to start with something smaller and work your way up back to a, right. a joyful life and practice. I just love that. Well, tell me a little bit about when you're working with attorneys, I mean, what is that actually looking like day to day? I mean, are they doing the one-on-one work with you? Do they do groups? I mean, what does that look like? And how did you do How did you become this? Like, I'm always fascinated by, I mean, because you've really taken a, a whole separate turn to your work. I mean, your work as a lawyer and then your work yep. as a coach, they're not the same. Thank you. Yeah, it is its own distinct business. You know, I have an LLC and everything set up. I've got a website and a business model and I I pay attention and pay close attention to that to keep it structured. I'm also very disciplined in the time that I devote to my side hustle. Obviously, I take it very seriously that I've got my work responsibilities and my family responsibilities. So I've built my business in about an hour a day since I started in earnest, right? And that hour might be spent on a call with a coaching client, right? Spending an hour together virtually. It might be spent creating some content. I'm sure you and many of your listeners will know I'm really active on LinkedIn. So I might be creating content there and sharing that, developing content for a webinar or a workshop, things like that. But I'm very disciplined with that time investment so that it will be manageable and so that the growth will continue to be organic and steady, right? So by giving it that hour a day, it's made it feel really manageable for me. Um, Yeah, thank you. As a practical matter, the structure of the business normally looks like one-on-one coaching packages. And I'm really flexible because I understand the demands that women are under. Mm -hmm. A lot of coaches will have a set time. They want to meet with their clients, right? So the same time every week, for example, for three or six months, I actually offer packages of sessions that my clients use at their convenience, right? When they're ready, when they're in the zone, when they're, (laughs) when they're ready to talk about something where they've sufficiently digested and worked through the exercises that we did in our last session together, They've got six months to use all of their sessions at their convenience, right? They can schedule them when they're ready. And I think that's been really helpful to offer some flexibility just for my specific target audience and the clients Mm -hmm. that I serve. That's been helpful for them so that they have a little bit more control over how the conversations go. Um, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. It's helpful. I think to give everybody a little bit of flexibility. Absolutely. I wish all employers thought like you. (laughs) Exactly. You work when it works for you. Right. So yeah, trying to sort of model, model that make my business reflect how I like to do things too. Mm -hmm. There is certainly a place I think for the regularly scheduled meetings, particularly for consistency and accountability, depending on what you're working on in coaching. I think that makes a lot of sense, but for the type of work that that I'm doing with women, I like to give this space and this flexibility as much as possible so that they can learn to trust themselves through the process and not be looking to me for all the answers, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. The Guild is an insanely productive community of lawyer entrepreneurs with a growth mindset who share their collective genius and hold each other accountable to take their careers and businesses to the next level. But in 2021, we are upping the game. In addition to exclusive access to the group, 
FaceTime with the two of us, discounted pricing for live events, and front seat exposure to live recording and podcast and video. We are mapping out for members the exact growth playbook with our new program, Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth. For a limited time only, the Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time program will be offered for free to all new Guild members. Join us by going to maxlawguild.com. Well, I just think that is awesome. And I mean, I'm a huge, huge fan of coaches. Like I think we all could use, I mean, a lot of coaches, you know, over the cycle of our lives. I mean, I have used several different coaches and have found something just so invaluable from each of them. Like I have learned so many different things and I'm just a huge fan of coaching. And so I am so encouraged by what you do. And I think women attorneys can benefit so much from the work you do about helping them become clear. I mean, when we think about, or at least when I do, you think about kind of clarity of what you're doing. I mean, it's kind of like clarity of a vision for your whole life. I mean, not just your professional life, but I mean, your whole life. I mean, how do you bring that kind of topic up to women? Yeah. Well, you raise a great point. That's why I don't call myself a career coach, right? Because it's so much bigger than that. It's, it is about your life. And so there's no way, even though that's kind of a, a woo-woo thing to say these days to say that I'm, you know, I'm a life coach, but I take that really seriously because it is about building that vision for your entire life. Right. So where we always start is with what has brought the client to coaching, right? There's usually some initial problem, initial sticky point, initial frustration that has brought them to this moment of thinking like, I need some extra help. And it might be that they're interested in a job change, or it might be that they've encountered some frustrations in their professional life, or it might be that they're just struggling with how to balance their work responsibilities and home responsibilities, particularly in the pandemic, that has been a big one for women for myself included, right? We're, we're, I'm doing this work right alongside them. So we're in it together. But I think having that initial access point, that's where we start. And almost immediately, right, it unpacks a lot of those bigger questions about what might be out of sync. But I don't just ask questions about it. I do offer strategies and, and ask tactical questions and, and try to give some recommendations of things to try to get them some quick wins, because it can be really difficult to see much farther than that when you've got these roadblocks right in front of you, right? My coach calls it having an octopus on your face. Like you can't see anything, right? So you gotta gotta feel that octopus on your face before you can see anything. So we try to get some quicker wins in the sense of if you're facing a really big frustration, how can we minimize that for you? How can we get some things off your plate? How can we get you better rested and restored so that then you'll have the energy and the mental space to tackle some of these bigger questions? Like, what are my values? What do I want this life to look like? What are my biggest strengths that I'm bringing to the table as a lawyer or a business owner or a visionary? And then put those into action with some specific goals. I love that. I mean, just the visual of having an octopus. <laughs> I know, it's so good. <laughs> I mean, it's so good. And it's interesting because I have a puppy whose favorite toy right now is this hot pink octopus. And literally often she has it right there and I can't ever see her. Like I'm always just looking at her hot pink octopus. Yes, I love that. Yeah, the hot pink is even better. I love that. Yeah, it's true. We can just be blinded by some of these challenges and without a little help, it's really hard to see the way through. 
Well, it's interesting. I mean, I don't consider myself super woo-woo, like in the big picture of woo-woo, but I have to tell you, I started doing a vision board every year. I think I'm actually looking at them right now, I guess in 2019. And so my 2022 vision board currently is blank. Like I haven't sat down to do it yet, but it has been really game-changing to me to really sit down. And I mean, I do it over several days, sometimes several weeks. And I really spend a lot of time thinking about my vision board and what it is I want to accomplish, what it is I want my life to look like, what kind of words, you know, mean something to me, like what things, like if I could look back on that year, what would feel like it was a successful year? And it is powerful. I have to tell you, I mean, there are many people who come here, you know, to our home where we are, which is also where my home office is, and they see my vision boards. And it's kind of stunning how much they've all come to be. I mean, yeah. like even on my 2019 vision board, I mean, one of the big pictures I have is of this waterfront property and of this person out kayaking. And literally like that is where I live now, you know, and that is what I do in my spare time as I hop in a kayak and try to chase seals around my cove. And it's wild to me sometimes how being intentional about our vision really can make a difference in watching that vision come to life. Yeah, it's true. And for skeptics, the key is in what you just said, it's the intention about the vision, right? I think some people get turned off by thinking, well, like you have a vision board and then it just comes true out of thin air. No, it's not. It's that Mm -hmm. you're training yourself to make room for those things and to create those things and focus those things. It's an exercise for you. You're creating Mm -hmm. pathways by seeing it in a new way. I also have a vision board, which I can see right (laughs) right behind the camera right here. And it's very large (laughs) because I cram a lot of things in. I love doing it because of that. It's fun. It helps me notice possibilities. You know, I joke with my husband. We haven't had a dog in several years since our dog passed away. And somehow a dog ended up on my vision board for this year. I was like, I told him, I guess we're getting a dog this year. We'll see what happens. But I, (laughs) for people who are not ready to go there, you know, they don't want to do the stack of magazines or the Pinterest board. It just, you know, doesn't feel accessible. You raised a really good point about what kind of words will resonate, right? And what feels powerful. And so if a, if a true vision board doesn't feel accessible to people, I think that's totally fine. I'm a words person too. And I have a strategy that I used to let words guide the way. You mentioned, you know, what would make it a successful year. With a lot of my clients, I have them think about, you know, what are they missing? What do they want to create? What is that sort of guiding principle right now that they're just wishing for? And we actually make that the guidepost. So you can either choose a word for the year just to be a mantra for you, or you can actually drill down and make it what I call a thematic goal. So instead of picking a bunch of goals for 2022, you would pick a word, essentially a feeling or a state of being that you're trying to create. It might be joy, right? To use your word from earlier, right? It might be simplicity. It might be energy. It might be rest or restoration. You know, there are tons of different uh, choices that you can make, reconnection, family, focus, all sorts of things. And let that be your word and all of your other goals are going to flow from that and feed that back and forth, right? So you would pick different goals that tie to it. And it's like this constant reminder of why you're doing it. 
and you get less hung up on the specific measurables and the outcome and more on that feeling that you're trying to create. So if you're trying to create connection, but you miss a particular family event or you didn't do the one-on-one time with your kids that month or whatever it was that you haven't failed because you're still moving toward this overarching goal of connection. And you might find other ways to meet that goal instead. So that's one of the things that we do. We take that overarching word that the client might choose. And then for each area of their life, we figure out, well, okay, what's the expression of that word that's going to help us get there, right? What's the way that that shows up in our lives that we're going to try to reinforce and practice over the next few months? I just love that. I mean, Laura, I don't know if you offer this, but I need to hire you for my whole firm because this, the thought of being able to bring this type of intentional work to my entire team just feels like it could be so powerful to the whole office to really, I mean, because, you know, a lot of people aren't going to go and seek out a coach on their own necessarily. But if it's something we do together as a group, I could just see this as such a powerful, powerful thing for our whole office. Yeah. I'm so excited that you see that potential. I do work with organizations and I think you're right to tap into there's some, there's some energy that can be created when you do it together as a team. When I've done workshops for um, women's groups at firms, for example, one of the benefits is creating some of that community, creating some accountability, but also a vocabulary for these things. Most of the stuff that we're talking about is not new, right? It's around. And I think a lot of people have thought about it or considered it, but being able to apply a little bit of structure again, and a lot of encouragement and have this shared vocabulary for how do we do this and how do we talk about it? You might agree on thematic goals for your business. Like what are we trying to create in 2022, whether it's growth or, you know, community or generosity and altruism, there could be lots of different themes that you have for your organization. And then each team member can find, well, how am I going to contribute to that overarching goal? Exactly. That's exactly. Yes. I mean, I'm so excited about this. (laughs) I'm going to like get excited too. And let my leadership team know I'm like, the ideas are just spinning in my head about, I just think this is amazing. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you. And then separately, I, you're going to have to come on my parenting buoy podcast so we can talk about our kids life in the woods, because <laughs> um, that I think is so unique. We and love it. Yes. I love finding other people who I just feel so aligned with on so many levels. And I just think your work is amazing. Thank you so much, Elise. Well, and you're right about, you know, being in the woods and raising our kids in a certain way has been wonderful for them. But I have to say, like, it's great for us too. So without even crossing the parenting threshold, being able to go outside. So Elise is talking about, we live, we, I live out in the country and we have, acreage and a lot of fresh air, which is really wonderful. And I'm so grateful to have that space because there's nothing like stepping outside and hearing the sounds of the birds and the wind in the trees and feeling grass under my feet. And it just completely resets and reminds me of why I'm here and what I'm supposed to do. Oh, it makes all the difference. And I like we were talking about before this started, I mean, we had the opportunity to go live out in the woods of Georgia right after Hurricane Katrina. So, I mean, you know, it was a crazy time, us evacuating, having to restart jobs and things. And literally we were able to put our children in this environment for five years of I mean, where it was just this very different environment from what they had in New Orleans and being able to just 
be, you know, and I mean, we did horseback riding and that, I mean, was its own thing where we would go and muck stalls and brush horses and the kids just loved it. And at the time I was homeschooling. So it was all, we could just fit everything in. And I mean, we all look at that Katrina time, not in this horrible way. I mean, it was really a time for us to really expand what we saw as valuable. And it was really life altering for our whole family. Wow. I completely agree. And frankly, that has been my family's experience in the pandemic, you know, for all Mm -hmm. the suffering around us, we have had a really beautiful 18 months as a family. We've had the gift of this space and the privilege of the time together. And we've made the most of it being outside. And my kids have been really happy and they've bonded and they, they play in the mud and in the river and in the woods. And we go for pickup truck rides and we do all these things together. And I'm truly grateful because I think it's changed the course for all of us. I think it was a reopening of a lot of things that needed to be opened up. And we're very, very lucky to have that opportunity. Oh, I feel the exact same way with the pandemic. I mean, we had moved to this little house in the woods. I won't bore you with the whole story, but I spent the entire pandemic outside. We had this covered patio with a fireplace surrounded by woods. And I mean, it was the most heavenly place to be. And I just every day was like, I just felt so grateful and so privileged that I could just sit out by this little fireplace do my work. I mean, and at the time it was just doing consult after consult after consult to make sure our business stayed strong and that I could meet the needs of my team because I had really, you know, let them know, like I got their back and nothing was going to happen to their jobs and we were going to thrive. And, you know, now 32 new employees later, like it has been a wild, wild growth period. But having that ability to reset and really just Mm -hmm. enjoy the outdoors has been so helpful. Yeah. I'm so glad you've had that experience. We really did. We started this sort of lifestyle revolution for ourselves by accident a couple years ago before the pandemic, we moved here and we had just, we had been in the suburbs doing things exactly the way that we thought we should exactly the way we had been raised. And we had friends who lived, we lived out here. And um, I remember, I'll never forget the look in his eye. My husband came home and he said, the property next door, you know, to our friends out in the country is for sale. We should just go look at it. And, you know, the rest is history. I mean, we came to look at it. We were totally enchanted. We thought this would be an adventure for our family. We made a super lowball offer and wrote a letter and said, you know, this is our dream. Don't be insulted. This is just the way that we're, you know, we could do it. They accepted. We found 15 million problems with the house that we said would have been deal breakers. And we did it anyway. We just kept right on going because we were in love with it. And it has been a roller coaster of challenges, but also incredibly life-giving. I mean, it is like oxygen to the bloodstream to have these things that we're not good at. And my husband works in finance and I'm a lawyer. We're used to doing only things that we're good at all the time. And we bought a tractor and we are, you know, growing this huge garden and we're doing all these things that we've never done before. And we're failing left and right, but we're figuring it out. And I know, and it's fun and we're learning to laugh at ourselves and to get up and try again. And all the things that you try to teach your kids, like, okay, well now we're really, it's like, now we're really doing it and they can really watch, but it is, it's so much fun to have that sort of counterbalance to 
the seriousness oh, and yeah. the perfectionism of being a lawyer. Um, oh, being able you. to balance that side of myself has been really healthy. Oh, it has been, I mean, it is game changing, I think, to practice failure with a joyful heart. I mean, like, I love that. We are yeah. the same. I mean, we're literally in the same boat, you know, having bought this massive property on the water, two houses. We've been renovating, doing some ourselves, some dealing with contractors, which that has been yes. a fascinating oh, yeah. adventure in the pandemic <laughs> out in the, the woods of Washington. You mean a whole business model <laughs> built on doing something wrong and then coming back and fixing it. <laughs> That's like the whole contractor experience. <laughs> oh my gosh, it has been wild, but it's been so amazing. And we were so lucky too, to have my youngest son here for, you know, at least until he left for school. I mean, he has built new bathrooms. He has designed kayak racks. He has, you know, shored up seawall. I mean, he has done a bazillion things. And I think of all the learning for him as well. You know, it's just been awesome. And we just absolutely love it. And when I say like, can, I am becoming that person who is like, you know, on the Orca network every day. I'm looking <laughs> for Orcas. I'm sending out, you know, where I'm seeing them, what direction they're going, you know, what pod I think it is. Like I have literally like become this like crazy orca person. But, and now I'm like, well, wait a minute. I need to go to the legislature. We have some work to do here with our salmon industry. <laughs> so, I mean, but you know, whatever it is. I what- love that though. It's, you know, like I said earlier, the weirder, the better. I mean, when you find those idiosyncratic things that speak to you, yep. that's the good stuff. Like that is, that's the good stuff. It is. <laughs> it's just, you know, people talk about being a cat lady and i Literally. You're the orca lady. <laughs> I am absolutely going to be the orca lady for sure. But I mean, when I can sit in my bed and spot orcas from my bed, I was like, no. That's incredible. Way. I'm like, that is wild. And so, yeah, I mean, my pictures are not great. Now, obviously my husband, he's handling the picture part. He's like, obviously I'm gonna take photography. I'm like, obviously, of course you are. You know, what's so cool about this, though, is that you kind of found some of these things by accident. Right. And I think it does take intention, though, to make space for those things. And sometimes, you know, when I'm talking to women, they think, well, I don't have anything like that. I don't have a passion. I don't have what I just go to work and I'm exhausted and I go to bed. And I think it takes just making a little bit of room in your day. Right. And in your brain (laughs) so that you have the space to think about those things and to daydream a little bit and be a little weird. And sometimes. Sometimes I give the tactical advice of giving yourself five to 15 minutes a day just to go down a rabbit hole, like something you're curious about, something that you like, something that's a little weird. You don't have to tell anybody about it. You know, do a little research, watch a show, listen to a true crime podcast, like whatever it is that you are into or that you're curious about, like just allow yourself to go there for a little while and just see where it leads. I mean, you never know what it's going to take you to. And it could be something really important, you know, that becomes your passion, or it could be something that just leads you to something else or, or to networking with an amazing lawyer on a podcast. I mean, who knows, right? You just follow that nudge and it'll take you to the next place. Well, and I would be remiss if I do not talk about it. And people who know me and follow me on social media know I'm kind of rabid about Fair Play, the book written by Eve Rodsky and the whole, her card game. But I mean, she has a new book coming out 
called Find Your Unicorn Space. And I think it comes out like December 28th. And this is exactly the entire point of fair play because the whole point is time is finite. We all share the same 168 hours a week. We must balance our loads better so that we have time to find our unicorn space and find what we're interested in and what makes us happy. And so I have to encourage people to get Fair Play if you haven't read it. Join my book club if you are interested in digging more into Fair Play and then get the Find Your Unicorn space when it comes out. Because I think, Laura, you hit the nail on the head about giving ourselves that time to just wonder and dream and be curious and think about it. I mean, I have gone through gardening this year. Like I, I mean can't even tell you the number of flowers I planted. And I mean, created this amazing flower garden. I don't know anything about gardening. I don't know the names of half my plants, but they were amazing and beautiful and brought me so much joy. And for me, when you talk about that, give yourself that 10 to 15 minutes of time, that is exactly that joy time on your calendar. And it can be, I mean, mine is growing and growing. Like I'm way beyond 10 or 15 minutes now, but it started as that. Yeah, exactly. Make that time for yourself and you'll be stunned at what comes up for you. Because I think so many of us, and especially moms and lawyers, we have lost track of what makes us interesting. We're not even interested in ourselves anymore because we've gotten kind of boring, all focused on work and taking care of our families. And we forget what makes us personally interested and interesting. Yeah, it's so true. And I love that. So now we have lots of options for people scheduling this time in their calendars, right? You can put put it as joy, put it as weird, put it as unicorn or like whatever it takes to get your attention on your calendar. But giving yourself that time is where it starts, even if you have no idea what you're going to do with that space. Absolutely. Laura, I cannot tell you how much I have appreciated your time today and you sharing what you do. And we will 100% make sure in the notes of the podcast or your website, all the information so that people can reach out to you. But let us know, like right now, if someone wants to reach out to you who's watching this right now, how can they reach you? Yeah, thank you so much, Elise. So I'm active on LinkedIn. That's a great place to connect. Laura Chipman on LinkedIn. And my website is essentiallychip.com. That's for my coaching business. So that's a good place to connect as well. But I've been so excited to be with you. This has been wonderful. You've given me tons of ideas of things that I'm curious about that I want to go follow up on too. I might even be checking out some orchids later today. (laughs) But thank you for creating this space for us and sharing it with everyone as well. Absolutely. And if you've enjoyed this podcast and you follow along, please subscribe, leave a review, you know, whatever all the algorithm gods need, they need all that to happen. And so I am thrilled that we had this talk and Laura, I cannot wait to collaborate with you more. So when my office reaches out, know that I've like completely inundated them today with my ideas on group coaching for us. Thank you so much, Elise. I'm really excited. And thanks everyone for listening today. Absolutely. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.